and this is the Corner to Calm podcast. In 2017, I realized my personal life was completely at odds with my professional life. I am now on a journey to speak with entrepreneurs, community leaders, and beyond to discover what motivated them to make the change, what motivated them to move from corporate to calm. Hello, you are very welcome to today's episode of Corporate to Camp. Today, I am speaking to Stephen Kennedy. Stephen is the owner of Copper and Straw in Bray and now in Aaron Key, which was a great opportunity for the business during COVID, which I'm so excited to talk about um, a silver lining during COVID. Stephen opened Copper and Straw about three years ago, and it has just gone from strength to strength really can't wait for you to hear Stephen's journey from corporate to camp. Hi Stephen, how are you? Hi Linda, I'm great. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's my Um, pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. No bother. Tell me a little bit about yourself and um, yeah, where did where did your career begin? Um, so uh, my career began like long before coffee. Um, I used to work in higher education so yeah 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 so I studied psychology in UCD that was my primary degree and then I worked in student support services in the National College of Ireland and the IFSC and that was a really like that was a really interesting role it was a very broad role um really what I did was working predominantly with students with disabilities uh, students from socioeconomically disadvantaged backgrounds uh, mature students so very much non-traditional learners. Yeah. And it was really around um, trying to anticipate their support needs, trying to really identify some of the barriers to education, and then just trying to put in place a range of supports to help those students succeed in higher education. So I did that for, um, for six years, I think. And then I moved into Maynooth University and I was there for about seven, a little over seven years, actually. And I uh, managed their disability support service. Wow. Yeah. So that was kind of like the role in NCI was a very broad role. Um, and then the role in Maynooth University was very focused on students with disabilities. But then within that, you have a huge range of students with different, you know, with different talents and abilities and support needs. Um, so, you know, that was a that was a, a, a fascinating job. Worked at a great team. Yeah, it was. It was. And while I was there, I did a postgrad in education in Trinity College. And that was very much around disability needs assessment. So, you know, at that time, that's kind of where I thought my career was going to be and stay, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and I was really trying to develop my career in that area, in the higher education space. Um, uh, and then, um, you know, I always I suppose I always felt that I was, you know, not necessarily on the wrong path or you know but I, I felt that there was something else out there for me um and uh I I loved writing and I loved yeah. reading and that was something that I that I thought I was going to pursue um but ultimately it was after you know a couple of trips around Europe and different cities and particularly Berlin uh, where I was hanging out with hanging out in you know, uh, just all different kind of cool hipstery uh, coffee shops, very kind of independent speciality coffee scene over there that really just got me thinking about coffee. And really? 
Yeah, 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 very much so. And how long before would that would that have been? How how long before you years or yeah, like like I I always had this feeling that I wanted to do my own thing. I think instinctively I thought it was going to be in the space of writing because I loved reading. Um, I've always been quite creative. I've always loved writing. Um, and I actually did a master's in creative writing in Lancaster University. Um, That's a while ago. Yeah. Um, and that was just an incredible experience. Like it was very, very challenging. I did it while I was working uh, in Maynooth University at the time. And um, it was a two years distance learning masters. And then we went over to Lancaster uh, for a period of time in the summer, just as kind of a creative space to bring all of the, the students together uh, with the academic staff. And really it was at the end of that um when i uh, completed my dissertation which essentially was a collection of short stories uh, and i just kind of realized i just had one of those kind of uh insights where i thought my god this was you know this was hard this was yes. grueling and yes i would love to do this uh full time um but the i suppose the harsh reality of, of of being an artist or a writer or somebody in the creative space kicked in and i knew it was pretty unlikely that I was going to make a living out of it. And it's really at that stage that the idea of kind of maybe opening my own coffee shop, which is something that would always was in the back of my mind. You know, I'd go into a coffee shop, I'd see a nice space, I'd, I'd enjoy it, I'd enjoy the coffee, I like the look, the vibe, all that kind of stuff. And I always thought about doing my own thing. But it's really only when I, I suppose, closed the door on the writing side of things that I started thinking very seriously about uh, moving into coffee. Were you raging when Catalyst opened up? I knew the <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Like, we, like, I, yeah. no, like I opened, I opened um, a Copper and Straw on the main street in Bray uh, in December 2018. And then shortly after that, uh, there were a number of additional ind independent specialty coffee shops. Um, but my attitude on something like that always is, you know, I was the new person or yeah. the new shop at some stage, kind of maybe uh, setting up beside another coffee shop or on a street where there are a lot of other coffee shops. And, you know, if anything with competition, I think it keeps you on your toes. I think yeah. it, it, it makes you um, uh, work harder, uh, innovate better. Uh, be more ambitious uh, so I, I like I, I genuinely believe that competition is is a really healthy and a really good uh, thing absolutely absolutely I love I like I can still remember when you guys opened and it was just explosive like it's the yeah. only word wasn't it it yeah. was just you know for really anybody listening like it you were winning awards straight away and everything. Yeah. It was mental. Yeah. Like it was, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was an interesting one because really we were the first speciality coffee shop in North Wicklow. And, you know, I remember when I opened, you know, a lot of people and especially people in, in the industry said to me, God, you know, do you think this is the right location? And, um, and look, you never know. It's yeah. always risk. You've just got to go for it. But I just felt, look, where there's people, um, there's, there's, there's an interest and an appreciation of, of, of a good product. And, and I firmly believe that, you know, if, if you do it well, if you focus on the things that are important, um, people will respond to that and people will come to you because people genuinely appreciate um, 
you know, a, a, a business that is that is providing something that's that's good quality, you know, or, or where you actually care about the community or whatever it may be. So, so for me, of course, the the, the location was a risk initially, but um, I, I felt that like Bray's a large town, um, there's a lovely community feel, um, it's it's served by good transport links. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I felt pretty confident that we could that we could make a go of it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, do you have, you've sent, you've thrown a lot of things in there, but do you have a mission statement for Copper and Straw or are you even like, you said about where there's people, you know, people will drink coffee, but have, have you any <laughs> missions? <laughs> not, not really, to be honest. Like, I think, you know, I think when you go into this initially or originally, um, well, certainly personally speaking, you know, I went into it out of the love of coffee. Yes. Feeling that uh, I could I could do something that was interesting and a little bit different uh, in, in, in the in the coffee space. Um, you know, as the business has become more established and as we've grown a little bit, of course, you take a step back and you think, look, where, where is this thing going? You know, what do we want to do with it? How do you put structures on it to, to, to make it better? So I don't have a mission statement, so to speak, but, you know, there, there are values and there are things that are particularly important to, to me as a business owner in terms of developing the shop. And they would be things like, like the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so the coffee and our expertise in coffee, because that's what we know. That's what we do. That's what we're good at. So, you know, it's really all about the coffee. Um, the experience. And that shines through, but that shines through on your social media for sure. <laughs> like, I mean, does it irritate you going in somewhere and getting a bad cup of coffee? Like if somebody said, like, is it, a, a, a pet peeve because your coffee is it's so good it is so good yeah. w- w- well, thank you very mad. much for saying that does, does um, it drive you mad though <laughs> do you know it's really funny because like I remember when I first started training in coffee so when I, I worked in the Muth University um I went off and did a whole load of different coffee courses and I remember at one of my first coffee courses uh, the trainer said you know we're about to ruin coffee for you and I kind of thought, gosh, that sounds pretty strange because I'm here to learn about coffee. Uh, and actually, it's, it's a guy called Luis Alvarez, and he's a very good friend of mine now. Um, and he said, look, as soon as you start learning about coffee, you suddenly start becoming very kind of uh, just discerning, I suppose, about where you get your coffee from. So, yes, yes. Like, it, you know, like I would carefully pick the shops that I go into. And, um, you know, it's like anything. You know, I think when you know a little more about something, um, sometimes you're I don't want to say harder to please but I suppose you kind of know what you like and what you don't like yeah. so um, yeah I find it can be hardest when you go abroad because you don't really know the places to go and they're always they're not all, very often they're not kind of close by so you know very often a trip away with me involves you know hopping on metros and buses and doing lots of walking just to find a good coffee and what's a good coffee for you? What what is is it milky? Is it um, strong? Is it black? Is it you know sugar? Is there anything? Is it just pure? Um, it it kind of depends on the time of the day and really the day of the week. So if it's if it's the weekend and if I'm not in one of the shops and if I have a little bit of time, uh, I'll I'll make myself a Chemex, which is filter coffee. And, you know, it takes a little bit of time, um, but I love the ritual of it. And it's just a lovely way to enjoy a really good quality coffee. Uh, So that tends to be my weekend one if I'm in the shop, uh, which I am most days. And 
you know, if, if it's very early in the morning, I usually like a milky coffee, like a flat white, because for me, that's like a bit of a hug in the morning. Yes. There's something kind of comforting about it. And then if, if I'm busy on bar and, you know, if, if, if I don't have too much time to sit down and enjoy and indulge over a nice coffee, I might just knock back a quick espresso or I'll have some filter coffee that's already brewed from our, from, from a batch brew or something like that. So also, and so you do, you do use coffee as a, a pick me up sometimes if you're not. <laughs> absolutely, Linda. Really, I do. You know, like it's funny, I probably drink less coffee in the shop than I do when I'm at home, because when I'm at home, I tend to be doing things like, you know, paperwork, admin, emails, all of that kind of stuff. And I just need so much fuel to get through stuff like that. In the shop, I'm running around and I'm, I'm, yes. there's always something to be done at the shop. So there's probably less time to be drinking coffee but at home yeah you know coffee's like water for me at home <laughs> I love it love it um I actually I, I can't drink past probably one o'clock a coffee I wouldn't sleep I'm te- yeah. well uh, that's funny I'm kind of the same like really after kind of or I used to be the same I used to have a rule that I wouldn't drink past two in, in the afternoon but lately I find over the last couple of years, you know, that's all out the window, really. But that's, yeah, but as you say, it's, it's you know, being in either of the shops, it's doing all the paperwork. It is that pick me up to get you, get you through yeah. being the, the entrepreneur that you are. Um, yeah. Tell me about the, what's really stuck for me is there's two things that have stuck for me over the past couple of years. Um, your pride cups and your sustainability. Oh. Yeah. So te- first of all, tell me about the Pride Cups, because like even this year, I saw that you had the um, the sustainable Pride Cups. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like um, like Pride for me is a very important um, occasion in the calendar. And I think it's, you know, it's like over time, it it, it it began to mean something a little bit different, which is really, really positive. You know, back in the 80s and the early 90s. You know, when Ireland was a very different place, you know, Pride was really about kind of, um, I suppose, advocating for equal rights, you know, for gay, for gay uh, and trans people in the in, in society, really trying to, to to place a marker down and uh, to to just be to just be present and visible and accepted. And you know, o- over time, that's, that's, that's changed, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's so great to see, like, Ireland is such an inclusive, wonderful, brilliant country, and for me, it's now, it's, it's more of a celebration yeah. now, and it's more of a, for me also, it's, it's, it's really kind of looking at society and saying, you know, isn't this great that we're in this country where, uh, you know, everybody is valued as, as equal, and, you know, it's 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 one month of the year, and as a gay man who 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 um, runs a couple of coffee shops, for me, it's important to to mark that occasion yeah. in a really kind of positive, fun, energetic way. Yeah, and I just love the like like the rainbow colors. You yeah. know, from a creative perspective, there's so much that you can do with that. Um, you know, wh- wh- when I see it. I feel happy because you know it's positive, it's summery, it's vibrant. Um, so it's really about you know just just getting that message out there and also saying to our customers and our staff that we are an inclusive business, that um, you know diversity and inclusion are important things uh, for me for the coffee shop, and this is just one way that we can mark that. I love that. I love that, and the sustainability piece because um, looking at 
you guys over the past since since you opened um actually we we've the same birthday i opened um the Pilates studio in december 18 as well oh, that's right. <laughs> but it was it, what what has really struck me is the merchandise it's so amazing that yeah. you know you have a coffee shop but it stretches into merchandise that people want yeah 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 and I think you know like it is a coffee shop and we sell coffee but um there is a community around yeah. the shop as well and um that's really really important to me and you know certainly opening in Bray um you know we could not have received a better welcome like the people yeah. of Bray rallied around us and continue to rally around us and that sense of community and support and connectedness is really important to me and you know having little things like a tote bag or a cup or or a t-shirt or whatever it may be um you know it's it's it, it's a way of I suppose just bringing people a little bit closer to the shop and then it's also a way for people when they're not in the shop to kind of still have that relationship with yeah. the shop. And like, I think sometimes we take, you know, like a cup of coffee, you know, it's just a cup of coffee. But actually, when you think about it, it's something that you plan into your day almost every day. It becomes part of your routine. Um, so actually, it does, in a, I, you know, like I don't want to overstate its importance, but it does become part of your life it does become almost part of your identity um, and certainly around COVID one of the really interesting things that I noticed around COVID was how important getting out for a cup of coffee became yeah. for so many people um, and I know you know like very fortunately for coffee shops we were one of the few businesses in the hospitality sector that were permitted to continue trading um, but certainly during those very severe lockdowns, when people couldn't go beyond their two or five K radius, you know, there was nowhere to go. And yeah. a lot of people came into us and said, my God, <laughs> thank God you're open because I'm working from home and the kids are off school. You know, we don't have anything to do. This is how we're getting our walk in. And actually, I found that that whole experience brought us closer to our customers. Yeah. You know, they learned a lot about us. We learned a lot about them. We kind of shared the highs and lows together. Yeah. Um, so like while a cup of coffee is a cup of coffee, it also becomes, you know, a community and almost like a social space. Um, and I have to say, that's something that really excites me. And that's something that I feel really happy, you know, very happy and thrilled about. And um, the sustainability part, obviously, we talk about teacups and um, the your your actual cups being um, recyclables and possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else? What what else do you do? Like in in the in the business for sustainability? Yeah, like before I opened, um, before I opened the shop, uh, you know, one of the one of the key things that I wanted to introduce was to ensure that we were an environmentally responsible business. So, um, you know, and like a lot of the things that we do, like so, for example, um, like all of our packaging is compostable. So, yes, that's our keep cups, that's our lids. Uh, that's our napkins, that's our straws, that's our, our, our stirrers, but also everything that customers can't see. So the disposable gloves that we use, the bin bags, our hand towels, all of that 
is um, is fully compostable. We introduced a couple of little things in Bray, like having sensors on our taps so we weren't uh, wasting water, having sensors on lights when you walk into the toilets and things like that, just in terms of energy e- efficiency. And then being really, um, just being uh, really mindful about our waste segregation. So the vast majority of the waste that we produce is either recycled or composted. Um, but to be perfectly honest, you know, um, I don't think that we are doing enough. Um, And uh, I I, I feel frustrated, I suppose, uh, around the whole sustainability piece at times, because, you know, like, yes, everything that we that 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 we use in terms of single use is compostable. But the vast majority of that ends up in somebody's black bin. So it goes into landfill. So, you know, increasingly, I find myself asking the question of like, what is the right way to do this? And, you know, there are some innovators out there and there are some, uh, you know, individuals who I think are really showing a leadership role. So like a a Bray guy, uh, Owen from Bread 41, you know, he really is, I would say, really at the forefront in terms of the hospitality industry, in terms of trying to look at really creative, innovative, challenging ways uh, to be more um, responsible environmentally. Um, but definitely, I feel that we could be doing more. And it's something that, you know, over time, I'd, 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 I'd like to address. And it's it's probably the case you've you've laid out so many different ways that you guys um, can control what you do. Mm. But then it's the next step then you know where does it go when it leaves you yeah that's the worrying side you know I often think about putting even in our own green bin here it's like is it going into the same place are they separating what you know it's yeah and I think as well you know like this you know like there's been a lot of positives that have come out of COVID you know for sure one of the one of the negatives from uh from an environmental perspective, has been the overuse of disposable packaging. Um, and if you remember in the kind of in the height of it, you know, when we were when we were in lockdowns, when people couldn't sit inside, you know, there, there was nothing was reusable. There was a period of time when we weren't taking reusable cups until we came up with a safe procedure for accepting reusable cups. Um, so I do think that that set us back a bit. Uh, because you know we moved 100% <laughs> to using reusables and even if they're compostable even if they're recyclable they're still single use they're still disposable and um and from an environmental perspective you know that's damaging and you've you've um, just mentioned obviously covid there um the opportunities and the um, most difficult aspect for you you've talked about customers coming in and making a part of their daily routine and being so thankful for you what as a business would you have struggled with through covid gosh um you know it's 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 funny and I was just talking to to someone about this the other day you know it's always hard to remember like it was only a year and a half ago but it's almost hard to remember what it was like Uh, but I remember that first announcement um back in March 2020 and I just remember the panic and the fear and from a business owner's perspective just the just the not knowing what to do um like we closed our doors for two weeks uh at at the beginning of the pandemic and not because we had to but because we didn't know if if we could continue trading yes so I think those early days the uncertainty uh were really really challenging like I remember before there were you know, any sector guidelines, 
I just found the guidelines for pharmacies, the HSC guidelines from pharmacies and said, right, okay, it, these have got to be doing it right. And, um, and I just implemented them uh, in full. Uh, great. That's, that was great foresight in fairness. But I had to, Linda, because yeah. my attitude on it was, you know, we will only continue trading, A, if it's permitted to do so. And we will follow the HSE and the public health guidelines to the absolute letter of the law. And that's always been my approach in terms of running a food business, because I think, you know, you're in such a responsible position when you're serving food and drinks to the public, when you have people coming into your space, you know, even beyond COVID, you know, it's really, really important that the businesses run responsibly, that you have very good controls in place in terms of food safety and hygiene, and then particularly around the whole COVID side of things. So yeah, we got the, the, the HSC guidelines for pharmacies, implemented them in full, and then, then continued trading. And I remember, like, we, we put up those Perspex protective screens before they were kind of standard. We were wearing masks before they were required. And for me, there was two reasons for that. One, if you're going to ask staff to come into a workspace where they're working with members of the public at a time when there's a genuine public health crisis, they have to feel reassured that I'm taking all of the steps necessary to, to, to keep them safe. And similarly, customers need to feel safe coming into our business and also it's really important from a perception perspective that people can see that you're doing the right things because there's great reassurance around that yeah there, there really is there really oh. is I mean that's the thing like you can see yeah you know it's it's feeling safe walking into a place and you definitely do feel that walking into um copper and straw and bray <laughs> tell me about Aaron Key because I mean there has been so many opportunities for businesses out of COVID and mm. I'm sure this was probably maybe nothing to do with COVID it was always in the future to open a second premises mm. anyway but to get mm. it during to get to do it during um, a time that was so um, unforeseen and we, we, yeah. we didn't know what way the future was going and then to open up a place in Dublin must have been so exciting. Yeah, um, like it was always on the cards yeah. and it was something that I always wanted to do um, you know, it was another one of those moments where when I kind of said it out loud, people just said to me, what? <laughs> it's the middle of a pandemic. Uh, everybody has pretty much, you know, run <laughs> from the city and you're going into the city. Um, but I think it's important always to take a longer term view on stuff yes. like this. And, you know, uh, my own feeling, you know, and we'll find out. <laughs> but my own feeling is that uh, the city centre will recover. Yes. Um, perhaps not the way it was before. And I know there'll be a lot of, like all of our lives will be changed forever in terms of working practices and things like that as a result of COVID. Uh, but I do feel fairly confidently that the city centre will come back. And, you know, uh, I saw a unit. I like the unit. I like the location, which is key. Um, and, you know, in, in the middle of a global pandemic <laughs> in a large urban centre, you know, if, if you're looking to open a new business, perhaps there isn't going to be as much competition as there would have been. Yeah. You know? um, so it was just the right time. It was the right unit. It was the right, um, it was just the right um, environmental factors, I suppose. A lot of things just kind of worked in my favour. And do you think you had the buzz of 
Bray opening Aaron Key up? And did Bray's reputation help you? Without a doubt. Like if if it hadn't been for Bray, there would absolutely be no Aaron Key. And you know, that's that that's very, very clear. Um so you know, it will be three years now in December that that I opened in Bray, which kind of you know feels frightening in a way. It seems like the the shortest and the longest three years of my life, but it's it's without a doubt been the you know just the most rewarding, enjoyable uh, three years. And without getting Bray off the ground, getting it established, having the most brilliant, loyal, fantastic customers, and I mean that so sincerely. Yeah. Um, you know, there wouldn't be an iron key. There wouldn't be a key cup. There wouldn't be a tote bag. Yeah. You know, there'd be nothing. Um, so, so Bray really has been the the foundation and the platform and the opportunity uh, for iron key. I love it. I love it. We discussed earlier about um, drinking coffee to get through your admin. No, oh, yeah. Do you do anything else to get through your admin? Do you delegate? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, and I think it's something that I'm getting better at. Yeah. Um. You know, certainly 2021 has been, you know, an interesting year for me in terms of the business, in terms of structures, uh, you know, certainly as, as as I grow the business, it's more and more important that uh, not everything rests on my shoulders because it can't. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I have an absolutely fantastic manager in Bray. Uh, uh, Rob is a guy who I'm sure you know. Uh, who worked with me, uh, started off as a barista, moved into the assistant manager role and is now working as the manager. So he's been with me practically since day one. So, you know, having good staff that you trust, um, that that feel supported in their role so that they can support you and yours is is hugely important. And again, you know, if I didn't have that, there wouldn't be an iron key. Because if I wasn't able to take a step away from Bray to a certain extent, um, it would be a lot harder for me to focus a lot of my time and effort in trying to get Aaron Key off the ground. I think structures are really important. So, um, you know, a lot of our businesses is quite predictable in terms of workflows, uh, in terms of uh, the operational side of the business. So I'm quite structured. You know, everybody's very clear on their role. We've got a handbook. We've got checklists. We've got guidelines. We've all of that. And for me, it's really important because that kind of gives staff the tools that they need to do their job. Yeah. And it gives me the reassurance that kind of the the, the, the key elements of the job are are being done on a on a daily and on a weekly basis so it's I, I think structures are hugely important absolutely um do you switch off uh, I'd like to say yes I uh, no, I don't think I do and that's the truth um but for me that's not a problem uh because I love it so yeah. it's not that I you know I don't feel that I'm kind of you know uh harnessed or shackled by the business um but I'm always thinking about it. Yeah. I'm always, there's always ideas floating into my mind. I carry a little notepad around with me and that's constantly <laughs> scribbled in with little things that I'm thinking of. Um, so I would say that I don't. Yeah, that's yeah. probably the honest answer. <laughs> but it's not, it's not the way then when you find your passion. Yeah. It's not work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, you know, and like for me, that was kind of probably a 40 year journey to find I'm 43 now and I've I, I opened up three years ago. So I would say it took me 40 years to 
to to really find my passion. And I would say it's really in the third year of the business that it started becoming more enjoyable. The first two years are a bit of a blizzard. You know, it's just very overwhelming. Uh, you know, I spent three years working in coffee shops before I opened Copper and Straw. And I thought, you know what? I've done my research. I know this. You know, I know about running a coffee shop and the nuts and bolts and the mechanics of it. And then I opened and, you know, it was two years of just like, like very enjoyable, yeah. but very, very tough. But in the third year, certainly, I feel that, um, you know, I've, I, I'm controlling it rather than it controlling me. Yeah. And that's really where the enjoyment kicks in because you can see it working. I'm, I'm just thinking about you with um, masters here and masters there and a career <laughs> in um by a variety of universities yeah. and then going back to work as a barista how was that like was that you had your goal and it was like well I have to do the, the groundwork to get there yeah like it's an interesting one and like I don't know if I could do it now right and I think I think um I think part of what made it doable was that I almost didn't know what was ahead of me you know like like I suppose copper and straw is kind of like a six or a seven year overnight success like it took a lot of, <laughs> it took a lot of, you know, just hard work, just, yeah. just, just, just to, you know, before I even found uh, the location in Bray. Um, but definitely going back, you know, I was working in a middle management role in, in the public sector, a nice pensionable job. You know, it was, it was all pretty secure and safe. And like did I did anybody try and have an intervention. <laughs> yeah, but then I didn't. Well, you know, people did kind of wonder. Uh, and you know, what, what are you leaving that pensionable job for? <laughs> yeah, but you know, what? it's really interesting because I think you know there's a lot of people involved in in helping one person achieve their dream, and certainly at the time, you know, my family were hugely important in terms of talking this through yes. with me, in terms of supporting me, helping me, and encouraging me, and definitely my partner at the time, Martin. Um, you know, he was just hugely courageous and helpful in terms of just just getting the shop off the ground and giving me the little nudge and the support that I needed at the time but I Um, go ahead sorry go ahead Uh, I was just going to say you know like before I jumped ship in Maynooth I worked for six months part-time in a coffee shop because I kind of thought I remember my sister saying to me look that all sounds great but like are you sure this is what you'd like to do and because I just wanted to jump ship and do it and she said no no (laughs) no no um you know, maybe just get a part-time job and, you know, just kind of just get a feel for it. So I remember I used to work in Maynooth Monday to Friday. I'd leave Maynooth early on Friday and then I worked from five until nine on Friday evening in a little coffee shop called Nixon Ranella, which was fantastic. And then did Saturday and Sundays there and did that for six months. But it was really after that, it was really after that that I was like, okay, you know, I felt brave enough to make the move because I knew what I was I suppose getting into yes oh, that's it like isn't it because you feel that imposter kind of creeps in if you don't you had that you know leveler where it was like I can do this I can yeah, yeah I have my I have my training I have my background um have you any other projects in the pipeline as or can you talk about them is there any other little Ooh, um, little copper and straw is going to be uh, um, you know it's like that there there certainly are a few things coming down the tracks um 
Uh, I won't talk in too much detail about anything <laughs> specifically. Um, but but you know, like just in terms of Christmas, I suppose. Uh, you know, we've we're, we're going to launch some new merchandise uh, in the run up to Christmas. Uh, which will be really nice. So there will be copper and straw T-shirts. We're going to have lovely Christmas socks. And then there's one or two other things uh, planned probably for early next year, but I won't say too much about those just yet. Excellent, excellent. Um, tell me something that not a lot of people know about you. Oh. <laughs> um, uh I love fizzy jellies. Um, yeah, yeah, I think everybody knows that about me, especially my nieces and nephews. Yeah, I have an absolute addiction to, to fizzy jellies and also colourful socks. So that's probably where our Christmas socks are coming from. That's a bit of a passion project, to be honest. Um, yeah, if you want to win me over, if you want to ask me out on a date, if you want to, <laughs> if you want me to do you a favour, just turn up with a nice pair of flamboyant, colourful socks and I'm yours. <laughs> there you go. You heard of her first, people. Yeah. Um, at Corporate Cam, we're all about taking a risk to create your own happiness. What advice would you give somebody who's listening now going, oh, I want to just do it as well? What would you say to them? Gosh, it's, it's what we were saying just a moment ago. Um, you know, I think you've got to do the groundwork and I think you've got to research it. And I think sometimes if you're in a bit of a difficult space or if you're very frustrated with your current role or where you are in your life, there can be kind of an impulse just to just to move very quickly. Um, and like I would encourage everybody to follow their dream. Um, but it's got to, you know, for me, it's got to move from being a dream to an ambition. And the only way that that happened for me was by doing something very practical about it. So that was, you know, doing coffee courses, uh, working in coffee shops, and then making the big move to quitting my job and opening a coffee shop. So for me, it's about, you know, the best advice that I could give anybody would be, you know, put the groundwork in, really understand what it is that you want to do, uh, have a plan, and and, and just research it. Yeah, yeah. sound, sound advice. Um, so Stephen, every episode I have um, an either or section. So I have a list okay. of either okay. or. So <laughs> we'll, it's quick fire. Don't think yeah. about it, just do it. Go first. Um, so coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> Eat in or take out? Eat in. Podcast or book? Ooh, book. Aaron Sorry, Linda. Linda. Sorry, Linda. Sorry, <laughs> Linda. <laughs> 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 last one. Aaron Key or Bray? Oh gosh, um, Bray. <laughs> the slopes or the sun? Oh, uh, sun. Uh, Catalyst or Glovers? Oh gosh, both, both. <laughs> I like both. An eight ounce or a twelve ounce? Eight ounce. Uh, an americano or a flat white? Ooh, and a flat white. Uh, sweet or savory? Savory. Uh, socks or fizzy jellies? Oh God, uh, I'd probably go with socks. <laughs> That's the end of that torture. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, Stephen, where can they find you? Um, so me personally, uh, God, I'm not great on social media. I do have an Instagram account. Uh, so it's Stevie underscore Ginger, I think. Uh, but that's very boring. So if you want to follow Copper and Straw, which is a lot more interesting. Uh, so we're on Facebook. We're on uh, Instagram. We have a website. We're on Twitter. Uh, yeah, all the usual, all the usual spots. Copper and Straw. Well worth a follow, everybody. Well worth a follow. Thank it's a lovely account. 
Stephen, thank you so much for taking well, part. It's my pleasure. Um, Thanks very much. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Thank Take you. care. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Corporate to Calm podcast. Please subscribe, leave a nice review, or simply come back and listen to us next time. I'm Linda Monaghan, motivating you to make that leap from corporate to calm.